Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential and grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? That's the question, and this podcast will help you with those answers. My name is Brent, and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. My name is Brent, and today my special guest is Tracy Brinkman. We're going to talk about being yourself and starting over when you've got nowhere else to go. Tracy, welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Hey, Brent. Thanks so much for having me aboard, brother. I, uh, I'm, I'm 0 for 2, man. It's just killing me. That's I, I right. keep messing up my own opening today. <laughs> Appreciate you bearing with me here. No, it, hey, it's my, my pleasure. Now, Tracy, I don't do really formal introductions because I get to research my guests, as you know, as a fellow podcaster, you know, you, you do your research, but I can read accolades all day and that doesn't really tell my audience who you are. So sure. who is Tracy Brinkman? Oh my goodness. Uh, Tracy Brinkman is the uh, bearded, motorcycle-loving father, grandfather, husband, former military man, former drug addict. Uh, I don't even know if any of those are accolades. They're just facts, right? <laughs> that, uh, you know, I have been through what I'll call three major dips in the roller coaster of life. And uh, we're happy to dig around in any of those. I've done a corporate career. I've done the small business career. I've done the entrepreneurial journey. I've done the, you know, broke man thing as well. So I have pretty much covered the gamut in my 50 plus years on this big blue spinning globe. <laughs> now, now here's the hard question of the show. So if you can lick this one, you're good. All right. What is your favorite kind of ice cream? My favorite kind of ice cream. Oh, that's a tough one. You know, I, I, I get tossed up between Rocky Road and Butter Pecan. <laughs> I, I think I have a, a half gallon of both in my freezer actually right now. All right, two winners. <laughs> now, Tracy, you run the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your podcast and uh, what that's about? The Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast, I started, oh gosh, we're working on a year and a half now. I think I'm, uh, if I think on Sunday, I will be uh, doing the post production on episode 300. And it focuses on pretty much just what it's called uh, the Dark Horses. You know, it's those folks out there, probably like you and me, who have stumbled, bumbled, fall, tripped, face planted in in any any varied parts of their life, but more specifically, the uh, those folks that know they can win, even when their inner circle are saying, uh, "I don't think you want to do that." Uh, and we bring folks on there to tell their stories, uh, to give tips and advice on life, as well as uh, you know uh, on business and and getting through the entrepreneurial journey. And I even bring in folks that really might not even be in a business. Like I had uh, Diane Steinberg, uh, who was, and if anyone remembers the the old movie, uh, Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band, she was Lucy in that movie. And she's had a really varied career. So she had lots of great tidbits of advice of, hey, don't do this and do that. So uh, I do that because I learned in my corporate uh, career that you can learn a lot from another industry 
and incorporate some of those tips and tricks and techniques, maybe with a little bit of tweaking into your industry. So bringing on these folks that are not necessarily entrepreneurs sometimes, but are dark horses and have overcome adversity and, and done things that people are like, wow, I want to try something like that can bring those to, uh, to the audience. Wow. So you and I started our podcast about the same time. How many episodes do you do a week? Um, I do three. I wow. do one. I do one that is an interview episode, much like this. Bring someone on, share their goodness. And then I try to leverage that information into uh, two other podcasts that will say, oh, he brought up this great idea. Let's dig a little deeper there. And that's just a solo episode that will run, you know, 15, 30 minutes or so. Okay. I, I, I do one a week. I'm wow. Three, just mind blowing. <laughs> That's a I lot find to keep the up solo with. episodes are a whole lot easier to do, right? Because you just get on the mic, you babble a little bit and you end the mic and you put on the front, you put on the back, you publish it and it rocks and roll. Uh, the, the interviews are a little more, are a little more troublesome sometimes. I, I do both. Um, I started out as solo mm -hmm. and uh, I think I was I don't know, four or five months into it. And I bumped into uh, Alex Filipino from Pod, from Podmatch. Okay. And he told me about his service and recruited me to it. And I got on there and started doing guest episodes uh, probably about a month later. And then I started doing almost entirely guest interviews. And I actually had one of my listeners reach out to me and be like, hey, man, you know, you're getting some really great interviews, but... I started listening because I wanted to hear what you had to say about some stuff. Right. Yeah. So now I, I do an every other uh, week, but I, 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 I can't imagine a, doing more than one a week at the moment. <laughs> I had a very similar experience. So this is like uh, this, the Dark Horse Entrepreneur podcast that I'm doing now is my third, right? I started podcasting before podcasting was cool back in like 2007 on a platform where I think it was uh, uh, blog talk radio was one of the first <laughs> ones I did it on. Right. So we're going way back. And uh, so when I started this one, I started with the attention of, I want to have some uh, interviews, some good interviews, some folks that are a little further along their journey than I am. Mm -hmm. So that I can learn from them. I, you, I get that free. I'm going to pick your brain, right? You, you do the same thing. You bring someone on and you can pick their brain and, and they'll do it for free. And you can get folks on there that would normally charge 500000 $10,000 for oh, yeah. an hour of their time. And, you know, just drop some gold nuggets on you and your audience. And so I, I did that. And then I started just adding in um, uh, my commentary at the end. Hey, here's a thought I got. And here's a thought I got. And folks started responding to that. So for a short period of time, I was like two, three months. I did these little short, I don't even want to call them podcasts because they're really not, but they are these, you know, so I would do the interview and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I would drop these short little 10, 15 minute podcasts, right? That kind of expanded a little bit more on a topic that we discussed. And it, it got a lot of feedback from the folks, but it was brutal to do. Right. You're like, oh, my God, I can't do another one of these episodes. Yeah. So I did that for, uh, like I said, two or three months. And that would drove that drove the number count up. So that's how when we started together, I drove way past you by doing that for like three months. <laughs> and when I pulled back, the uh, I, the folks came back and said, dude, we really liked that content. So I 
I met in the middle, right? It's like, okay, I'll do one with the interview. And mm. then I added one in there that, you know, would be a little bit more and then added another Friday one in. And, and like I said, I keep, I get, I end up getting the ideas for the content in my life usually, but I'll be interviewing someone like, Hey, I'll have Brent on and Brent will drop this piece of knowledge. And I'm like, Oh, I have my thoughts around that, but I don't want to take away from you while you're on the show. Mm -hmm. So I'll do it on a separate episode. Say your day, Brett, you brought up these great pieces of information. I want to delve a little deeper into that. And it does two things for me. One, if they haven't listened to the ad episode, they'll go back and listen to it. Oh, what did Brett talk about, right? So they'll go back and listen to that episode. And then it allows me to share my thoughts, you know, which may be aligned or maybe a little different, right? Either way. And th that way they're getting both sides. They're getting the, you know, the goodness from my guests and then what I think as well. Oh, I'm love. I'm loving the fact, like you said, people will come on your podcast that normally you pay a fortune to get. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I had the privilege. Of, have you worked with Susan Bratton before? No, I haven't. Uh, she's an intimacy expert, uh, self-proclaimed intimacy expert to millions, but like she's done like all the big talk shows, stuff like that. She's done all the morning <laughs> shows in the news stations. Right. And when she came on the show, I was like, are, are you sure? Cause like, I, I can't compete with that. And she's like, right. no, no, it'll be a lot of fun. Right. It, it's come Funny enough for me, it came around because the first podcast I ever started listening to was the Mark Bell Powercast. And because I'm big into weightlifting, I like to lift stuff. Okay. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I saw her on his podcast. Well, I had her on my podcast a year ago. So I was oh, like, nice. wow, it's, it's, this is kind of the podcast that got me interested in podcasts. And, and here she is on this one after I got to talk to her a year ago. So it's like, just the people you meet are incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's a great connection. And I think the folks that do podcasting such as yourself or that do podcast, you know, tours, mm -hmm. they have, it seems like a different level of connection, right? I've, I've done TV and not, you know, not been a star or anything, but I've been on television doing interviews and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it, the, the level of connection seems different to me. Right. And maybe it was just my limited experience and the few things that I did, but it, it seems like whenever I'm on the mic with a person like yourself, they, they, they come across more, I'm going to overuse a word, you know, uh, caring, right. More authentic, about their desire to hear your story and to share it with their audience, where sometimes it's like listening to the news. Oh, and by the way, here's Tracy Brinkman, and he's going to be talking about this. And then they go do their thing while you talk, and then they come back and say, well, thank you for your time. And you're like, okay, that was nothing. <laughs> now, I saw on your website that you also do uh, entrepreneurial coaching. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. I do. So is that like a business, I, I'm kind of fascinated by the whole coaching thing because I don't really understand uh, it to an extent. I understand like a personal trainer for sure. the gym, but this whole concept of business coaching is very new for me. It's a, uh, well, you could, let's, you could use that same analogy as a personal trainer. As a personal trainer, there's a, a given set of rules, you kind of like a guideline, right? You you gotta you rotate through the muscles so you don't plateau, and you have to watch your diet. And you, sometimes everyone's all focused on I need to eat less, lose weight. Well, when you start working out, you're probably gonna have to eat more, 
right? Because now you're burning out those calories a lot faster and you're building muscle, which use a lot more calories. So if you don't balance those two, so if you use that same kind of analogy, uh, when you get into entrepreneurship, uh, you, you're going to want to follow a set of rules. Now I got to customize the rules to Brett versus Tracy versus John versus Zachary over here, because your business model could be a little different. Your customer base could react a little different. Maybe you don't want to use this type of marketing or that type of marketing, you know, so now we, now we got to start tweaking that. And maybe there's something you just don't know. You're like, Hey, I built my model like this and it's doing okay. And I need someone to take me to the next level. And you're like, well, to get to that next level, you're going to have to do a, B and C. And you're like, no, nah, I, I can't do that. Right. I mean, uh, one of the biggest things I think, um, uh, I see a lot of folks stumble on is they hire in a reverse pyramid. And here's what, here's what I mean by that. They're going out there and they get their business going to the point where they're like, okay, I'm going to hire that person to do all this junk that I hate to do. Right. Which is not a bad plan. But the problem is then they say, okay, now, and I got that person and I'm going to hire the next person to do the next set of junk that I hate to do. Meanwhile, all the things that you love to do, you're, you're doing well. But if you flip that on its ear and say, all right, if I get out there and I find this, I'll call him an operations manager who will take all the operations pieces of my business and just fine tune them like a, just a sharp razor's edge, your business could skyrocket in a very short, a far shorter period of time. However, there's a cost associated with that, right? So it, it's, you're spending that money buying those two and three and four virtual assistants or call closers or whatever else, when you're like, all right, what I really need is a marketing director just to blow up my business. Or what I really need is an operations manager because I suck at operations and they know it like the, they could do it in their sleep. If you invested in that person sooner, as soon as you were able to, then the next thing you would be doing is filling in those little bitty spots underneath there to fill in the gaps and get rid of those things that you don't enjoy. It's just, it's two different schools of thought and it's wherever you are in the business. So you, you have to coach them through, all right, if you can afford this, this is what you would really benefit from. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, no, I, I absolutely would have done it the way you were talking. I thought, I, I hate doing this. We'll hire somebody for that. Right. I hate doing this. I'll hire somebody for that. Like on my short list is a uh, social media manager. Cause yes, I hate social media. But I, I only an, do it for my and, show. But that one there, that one there is 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 a little different because it's very specific, right? You could get a lot out of someone taking over your social media for you. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not talking about someone just says uh, where you create the posts and they go and they do a little editing and then they post it. No, I'm talking about someone that will take the whole social media. Uh, piece of your business and say, all right, here's what we need to do. We need to lay out a plan for the next two, three months. That means you, Brent, you need to create this kind of content on Thursday, this kind of content on Friday, and I'm going to get it edited and I'm going to get it published and I'm going to get it put out there and I'm going to make sure it's getting the likes and the loves and all that magic that a social media person would be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, all you have to worry about is potentially doing a video or doing a live stream or whatever it is that you need to add to it. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, I definitely, that's uh, on my, I told my wife, once I, I make enough money to bring anybody on part-time or anything, it's, yeah. it's a social media manager. Because 100%. That would free up so much of my life. Now, I, I tell you what, there's, uh, oh man, I might have to get back to the name because I'm drawing a blank on it. I interviewed an amazing young lady who started doing social media management uh, before she even got out of college, mm -hmm. right? She, it was just, it, it just clicked with her. Uh, and she has leveraged it into a, a pretty good business at this point. And now she's narrowed her focus down into, I believe it is the um, personal trainer space, but she would know who could help you out as, and probably at a, a price you're, you think you can't afford. And they're like, Oh no, here's great price. So remind me and I'll get you that name. All right. We can do that now before we actually got this show rolling, one of the things you said to me in our conversations was that men need to have the balls enough to be themselves mm -hmm. and stop trying to be something else. Would you like to expound on that a little? Oh, man. I look back and I mentioned earlier the three major dips in my roller coaster of life. Each one of those dips I can look back and say they were because I was trying to be someone else, right? And here's what I mean by that. So I, I married uh, my uh, my now ex-wife um, because I got her I got her in the family way, and you know you're raised to do the right thing. And we we got married and we started raising a family, and uh, she got pregnant again about uh, two years in and the baby comes uh, comes early, comes a month early. And uh, she was born with a distended abdomen. I, I, I'm not sure how much of a rabbit hole we want to go in here. She ends up going through needing about six operations in the first three months of life. Get her on the organ donor list. We're doing all this stuff. Meanwhile, you know, uh, my wife is becoming this this uber awesome mom you know, doing all the doctoring and everything and i'm going out speaking to anyone who will listen and probably a few people that w didn't want to listen about the benefits of being an organ donor so that my child hopefully could get the organs she need uh, cut to the chase um, she gets so sick that uh, she ends up passing away and you know that's not something I would wish on anybody, not even my worst enemy would ever wish that they would lose a child. Uh, but, you know, here it is right in the middle of that. My wife decides that she needs to get away. Now, mind you, I still have my first daughter who at this point is probably about five, six years old. And so she goes off to Texas. We were living in Atlanta and uh, I'm taking care of the daughter and working at uh, my job at Coca-Cola at the time. And when she decided to pull her head out of her rear extremities and come back about a month, month and a half later, she's like, okay, we're going to have another baby and this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So that moment right there, I was just trying to be the dutiful husband. Whereas I look at it today, I was doing my first daughter a huge disservice by bringing a woman back into our life that didn't care enough to stay around to take care of our first daughter. 
Um, if I go back to my earlier years, uh, when I just got out of the military, I started a little business uh, doing uh, computer programming. This was right at the dot-com boom. So it was, you know, I was making some of their first real money. And I'm like, ah, landed this big project. And we're going out, we're celebrating. And I, I love to shoot pool back then. I mean, I also made a great excuse back then to drink beer. Uh, anyway, um, but I got introduced to speed and... It was the, and I'm going to blame it on peer pressure, but it was the peer pressure. I didn't have the spine enough at that moment to say, no, 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 that's not who I am, right? I am not a drug user. And I ended up getting hooked on it. And it ended up ruining my life for about two, three years uh, to the point where the police kicked down my door uh, because I started dealing just to support the habit, right? Again, a, a series of steps of just trying to, Hey, I'm 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 this badass street kid. You know, I can deal and I can sell and I can make money. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was those series of steps where if I just would have said at the onslaught, no, no, you guys go ahead. If that's your deal, that's cool. But not me. That's not who I am, right? So uh, you know, you take that one, you take the next one, and then later on. That woman I was talking about who came back from Texas, we go through, you know, oh gosh, it was almost 20 years of marriage. And when my uh, youngest daughter finally graduates high school, I finally said, you know what? That's it. I, I can't do this anymore. And she goes, you're right. Neither can I. And we started going our separate ways. And I would love to say it was an amicable separation, but it wasn't. It got really ugly. And it was sitting down and literally I sat down with a journal and I just kind of wrote down, this is what I want my life to look like in a year and five years. Right. And this is the kind of person I want in my life. You know, I wanted to, of course you go through all the manly things. Hey, I wanted to have long blonde hair and blue eyes and, you know, 36, 24, 36. But once you get past that, you start thinking about, okay, well, beyond the looks, what kind of person do I want her to be? You know, I want to be loving and caring and supportive kids and kids come first and, you know, all those kinds of things. And I started, I'm like, you know what, to hell with this. I'm going to start living my life as this person that I am. And if you don't like me for who I am, oh, well, right. There's plenty of people out there, 8,800,000,000 people on the planet. Surely five, 10 like me for who I am. And if, again, if they don't, um, and once I started doing that, uh, I mean, I mean, really not just faking it till you make it, just really being me, a little zany, a little crazy. You know, I didn't have the beard that long back then, but still just, hey, long hair, rock and roll, I love Prince and Michael Jackson and Metallica. You know, you start finding things coming into your world and people coming into your world that resonate with you, right? You're on the same vibration if you want to be woo-woo about it. That all makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's making perfect sense. It just, uh, people, it, it amazes me how many men are, think they have to appear a certain way or be a certain way uh, to I, I, I've never been a, a like, you know, go along with the crowd kind of person. I mean, I, I you, you came on, I was looking at your beard. I'm thinking, oh, look, well, yeah, we're yeah, a similar right? stylist. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, it's funny is I was at a, um, a Patriots, uh, Pastors and Patriots uh, revival rally, and I was lucky enough to be a speaker. And one of the pastors came up there, and uh, I've heard so much 
bantered about, especially in men's groups, about toxic masculinity. And maybe at some level, I can vibe with that, right? There's a certain level of masculinity that I think is is over masculine, right? Right. It's all about being Mr. Muscle Man. Okay, if that's your if that's your gig, I like to work out too. I don't like to be big and bulky, but that's me. My brother, he was my brother from another mother. I was lucky enough to know him, and we, I mean, we were like this, right? Um, he was the big bulky guy. He he was the first person that taught me about the benefits of working out, right? And I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I'm, you, you, sumo man, me, Bruce Lee. I don't need, you know, but, but we still worked out together, and we vibe like that. So there's the masculinity was still there. We just we just found the place to fit it in, right? But anyway, this pastor was talking about how uh, for him in the past couple of years, one of the things he thought was wrong was there were too many feminine pastors out there that weren't teaching the benefits of being a man, a man who's supposed to honor and protect, you know, and earn and do all those manly things that I, I imagine you and I were raised that that's who we're, that's who we are. And I'm not taking any way, anything away from any of the women out there that love to work and do their thing and take care of the family. Right. I, I have one of those. I'm lucky enough to be married to an amazing woman, very independent, very strong. She don't need me. She wants me. And that's what we as men should have. You don't want someone clinging on you, dragging you down. Oh, I need you. Oh, I have to have you in my life. Eh, warning, been there, done that. Don't do it. You need that woman that is there for you and wants to be with you because of who you are and maybe who you help her be or who she helps you be. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm rambling a little bit, but <laughs> you, you feel me? I do, I do. Actually, I was... As you were talking, A, I, th I think that's remarkable because I would agree that there are far too many ministers. I'm a preacher's kid. Mm -hmm. I'm a former youth minister as well. And I, I think there are far too many ministers who are trying to feminize men. Uh, I actually struggled when I was younger with being in the church because to me, I didn't fit. Mm -hmm. The the men that were taught in the from the pulpit generally, that that wasn't me. Right. I, I'm not that guy. Uh, so I felt very much so like I didn't fit in organized religion for a long time. But I, you, what you what you were saying is kind of overt masculinity. Mm -hmm. I would actually call lack of masculinity. I'd call it immaturity. There it is. Yeah. You know, what what people you. want to call toxic masculinity culture to me is absolutely the opposite of that. It's lack of masculinity culture, real yeah. authentic masculinity. And I won't, I won't pretend I have all the answers about what authentic men are. I, I have a pretty good idea, in mm -hmm. my opinion. And I've shared that with some people over the years, and, and we've vibed on that. But people keep throwing around that toxic masculinity culture thing. I don't have my hat in here. I actually have a, a brand I sell on my website that says it has toxic crossed out, and it says essential masculinity there over it is. the top of it. Yeah. Because I think that masculinity is actually a solution for a lot of the problems, but authentic masculinity is a solution yes. for a lot of the problems we're seeing. Uh, I actually just did an interview with, there's a group called Saving Innocence out of LA. They work to rescue children from child tra sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And the executive director and one of the survivors there wrote a book called Men Fight For Me. And it's a whole book aimed at men saying, hey, 
authentic masculinity is how we fix this problem. Yes. And uh, so I just, I had just actually had them on the live stream last night. And that was an incredible conversation to listen to someone describe, hey, this is essential. This is important, not a problem. Right. But we've, yeah. we've been told for years now that it's like, no, no, being manly is bad. Don't don't be so. All these guys are just trying to go along and not ruffle feathers. And... Yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm I'm not a proponent of that. I, I I want. I always I always stood firm in the resolve. All three of my children, uh, four, uh, are girls, right? So I always wanted to represent the man. I wanted to see them with later on, if that's how if they chose to be with one, right? You know, someone that would that would put their arm around them, let them know every single day how much they are cared for. And, you know, and at the same time, step in front of them if someone is ready to throw down. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Because there's that balance. You, you, if you're not willing to, you know, kill or die for your significant other, I have a problem with that. <laughs> uh, you are you're on the right show. My friend, you're you on the right <laughs> show. We're on the same same track here. Guys, we've been getting to know Tracy over the first half of the show and getting an idea of who he is and uh, what his story is. In the second half of the show, we're going to dive into how to start again, because Tracy has a lot of experience <laughs> starting over and starting over in the face of adversity. And right now, I think it's incredibly relevant as the world has been strange for the last couple of years. So stick around for the second half of the show and we'll get into it in just a minute. I'm calling on all men right now to stand up and stand against this horrific crime. It is estimated that over 300,000 children are being sex trafficked in the United States alone every single day. I want you to get on your social media. I want you to follow savinginnocence.org or fightforme.net. Both of these charities are working to end child trafficking in the United States and abroad. You can donate at www.thefallibleman.com slash shop and buy our inhuman trafficking merchandise and all proceeds will be given indefinitely to savinginnocence.org. You can also go to www.savinginnocence.org slash donate and donate directly to Saving Innocence. Men, it is time for us to fight and stop this horrible thing known as human trafficking. All right, guys, welcome back. We're here discussing when, uh, how to start over, how, how to go again with Tracy Brinkman. We had a great first half of the show, so be, for, be sure and catch that if you weren't with us for the first half of the show. Tracy has introduced himself to us, let us know a little bit about who he is and about his podcast. And in this show, we're going to get into it because, hey, right now, there are a lot of people having to start over with the way the world has been the last couple of years. It's, uh, it's been wild. It, it really has. So, Tracy, you have a ton of experience in starting over, but before we go there, I, I want to ask, what purchase of $100 or less in the last year have you made that has the biggest impact on your life? Purchase of $100 or less in the last year that's had the biggest impact. Hmm. Oh, okay. So we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, social media. Mm -hmm. I'm a big social media fan if it's used correctly. Uh, there is a, um, there's a service out there called Virality Content, and they create social posts, and uh, it's a mix. So you'll get a, maybe an ebook and some posts 
and some videos um, all for the same. I think it was like 27 bucks a month. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, they're all very focused. They, they have a, a selection of different uh, niches you can go to. Like one is wealth and management. One is make money online. One is, you know, mindsets. One is uh, health and fitness. So you pick that one little niche and they send you this every single month, this amazing content that you can turn around and tweak, you know, add your branding and maybe tweak the messaging. Oh, I don't think like that. I think like this and then publish it out. So now you've taken something that would have taken you probably hours to create and probably can go through it in an evening and have all your posts out there for about, you know, 27 bucks plus whatever service you use to put out there. And I am not an affiliate, so I'm just <laughs> sharing that information because you asked the question. Hey, it sounds like smart business to me. I'm, uh, I, I'm all for uh, rebrandable con content. Mm -hmm. I, I think PLR content is uh, great. And when you're a one man show. Yeah. I, uh, I interviewed one of my first <laughs> interviews was uh, Justin, Justin Pavlovich, Pavlovich. Okay. And uh, he uh, runs, it's not uh, uh, tools for motivation.com. And they do just that. They create um, uh, rebrandable content for you that you can purchase, tweak, add your stories, yada, yada. One of my first eBooks was from him. And uh, I added all my, my stories to his like, ah, this is great. And what's funny about that is once you start tweaking someone else's content uh, mm -hmm. that you've bought, these new ideas start springing up in your head and you're like, oh my God. And you start adding, you know, it's almost like you double the size of the content once you get those juices flowing. So I'm a huge proponent of that as well. Yeah. I, I think it's just, uh, I, I found, came across uh, PLR Hustle. I'm not sure okay, if you're yep. familiar with them. And uh, purchased one of their eBooks to, and then I, then I went through and I adjusted it and I was like, I don't like this. And I changed See? this and, you know, made it, made it my own. It's like, okay, the rest of this, I would go with now. I don't like, yeah, right. And made all those little tweaks. And it's uh, one of the giveaways I get from my mailing list, mm. but it, it was, it was good content. I just, to make it something that I was happy with some small adjustments, but yeah, as opposed to, you know, writing an 80 page manuscript and formatting it, formatting it is a pain in the butt. If you do in it from scratch. Oh my 100%. goodness. You, you got to pay someone almost just to do the proper formatting to get it in the right formats yeah. for everything. It's incredible. So you mentioned that, you know, you, you lost a child and I got a, I have two little girls. I, I can't even imagine oh. how horrible that is. Um, how do you, how do you start again after, how do you keep going? You said you had another daughter, your other daughter. Yeah. So you had to be um, able to go for her. But I mean, yeah, how do you that breathe? That was pretty much it because, um, you know, if I, if I step back briefly to the, to the story of overcoming drugs, um, she was, my first daughter was pretty much the reason why I got out of the drug scene because that infamous Sunday morning when they kicked open my door, luckily I wasn't there. So I didn't, you know, get arrested for, you know, as part of that raid. But she was like three months old at the time. And she was, oh, uh, you know, I was on a, like a four day party binge. I was out partying like a great madman. And, uh, you know, I was wise enough to find her good care, knowing full well I was going to be on this uh, partying spree. And uh, so as I was home uh, and brief sidestep, 
the detectives while I, when I came to my home and I was like, oh shit, what happened? Um, you know, I'm cleaning up and everything. They come to the door and introduce themselves and ask for my ID, which was in my briefcase, um, along with some other things I shouldn't have been carrying, a couple of guns to be exact. So I said, oh yeah, sure, it's over in my briefcase, forgetting that they're in there, right? And I open the briefcase, they yell gun, and I'm tackled to the ground, and I don't blame them because if I was in their shoes, I'd be tackling myself down as well. But as I'm coming back from being interrogated, um, two things are going through my head. One is they knew all the right questions to ask. So I was this far from a different life story. And two, I heard my dad in my head saying family first. So he's always, always, it was always about family first and he lived that, right? And so when I got home, called my mom and dad and said, I need help, right? And uh, God bless them. My parents and my brother, I mentioned earlier from another mother, the three of them were instrumental in my ability to rebuild. I didn't go to any, to, you know, club med or kind of, you know, clean yourself up place. I, I, I moved in with my mom and dad into their garage. My daughter took my old bedroom that I'd had just like five years earlier. Um, and I probably slept for five days just to get all that stuff out of my system. My mom would come in there, wake me up, force me to eat a sandwich at least. You know, I do the bio, wake up, do the bio things and then go right back to sleep. And after that, it was that kick to the head, right? I, I had taken a really serious kick to the head psychologically, and I had the skills to go back out there and start doing computer program. But I, you know, here's what I pictured. Weren't you the guy I saw out there doing lines on the pool table the other like, couple of weekends ago? You know what I'm saying? So um, I started doing warehouse jobs and temp jobs at, you know, one of the temporary agency and do office girl jobs, accounting, anything just to get my self-esteem back up to some level where I felt, okay, I can do that. And that took about eight months of doing all these crazy. I even worked on a dock in, in um, Watts, California. Yeah. I'm not the, I'm too white <laughs> for that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know, and I you did, live to said, tell the tale. Yeah, that's right. And they say, are you willing to do this? I'm like, sure. I don't care. It's in Southgate. You know that that is right. And I'm like, I totally know. I, I you know, I, I, I get it. And, uh, you know, I love to tell, but that's another one of those masculinity things, right? It's how you care yourself. Anyway. So once I had done that eight, nine months, it was just shy of a year. I put myself out there and started applying for some corporate jobs. And I landed a job with Coca-Cola, which started my, you know, my corporate career. And it was just that I had to build my self-confidence. I had to believe in myself first. I think that's always going to be anyone's rebuild story is going to be, you're going to have to own up and just own your shit. And I hope it, I hope that I don't know if you need to edit that or not, but You're good. you know, um, you got to own it. And then you have to say, okay, now how do I fix it? And then you start putting yourself out there. You, and I, I tell my, my, the, the, the folks I coach, be it a an entrepreneurial coach or a success coach, which is the fancy word for life coach. Anyway, you got to lean outside of your comfort zone. I get it. You feel real good in this end of the pool. It's warm. It's cozy. The water's, uh, you know, at shoulders. You're going to have to lean out of your comfort zone to expand, 
to get better, to be a better man, to be a better dad, to be a better husband, to be a better employer or employee. And then as you lean out a little bit, you can come back and then lean out again. What's going to happen is your comfort zone is going to start to grow a little at a time. My doing those odd jobs, you know, working at those offices, working in the warehouses, working down in the docks. I was growing my comfort zone until my comfort zone got big enough where I could get, okay, let me step out into the corporate world. And I leaned out and that, that was an uncomfortable lean. Because when I got that, I was like, ah, oh. I was, when they, when they, I got that offer letter, my heart was, I was shaking and visibly shaking. My mom's like, what's wrong? I'm like, what if I hose this up? I almost said another word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what if I mess this up big time? You know, and, and my mom just pointed over my daughter and says, well, you can't mess it up. You, you got her. And that was, you, that was the other thing is you got to find your motivation, whatever it is. Sometimes it's external. Um, it's always going to have to be some level of internal. And then you just start baby steps, right? As I rebuilt the last time I, you know, I started mentioning writing in a journal, um, I, I took a completely different tactic then. I literally wrote down what I was I wanted my life to look like, what it was I wanted, like I mentioned earlier, what I was I wanted my mate, the person in my life, be it a wife or otherwise, to look like externally and internally. And that starts, you know, if you listen to Bob Proctor and that whole, you know, uh, wave and the energy and everything. I'm I'm a little bit of a woo-woo guy. So I I I I I, I no judgment. With that, right? Yeah, that's okay, right? That's okay. <laughs> I'm still a man. <laughs> so I was like putting that out there now. And for me, as I was writing it, it was like I want to be able to recognize it when I see it. So that was the way I uh, I don't know, kind of made it logically in my head. So if I write all this down. When I see it happening, I'm going to realize it and I'm going to keep going in that direction. You know, how many of us go on vacation and go, all right, where are we going? And they just start driving. Uh, no, you, you at least know where you're going. Hey, I'm going to Orlando, Florida. Well, if you're in Miami, don't drive south, right? You want to start driving north. Or if you're in Los Angeles, California, you best drive east, maybe not you know, you it's not a straight line. You got to go uh, and then hang a hang a right. But you got to start in the right direction, and you don't know that direction if you don't have at least a vague inkling of where you want to go in your mind. Does that make sense? It does. I'm I'm not a. I've never been a journaling guy. I I talked to one guy uh, not long ago, and he's big into journaling, and so he's trying to explain it to me because it's just I've tried writing things down before, but what you said makes more sense than just mm -hmm. journaling in general, but actually like writing it out. So you, you know what you're looking for. Right. I mean, I, I do that with ideas for my show. Right. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't I do that with other things? I write it down when I get this idea so that I can go, okay, here's my big idea. You know, does this build out into a show? Right. Yeah. But if, if I don't write that down, I'm going to forget where I started or how I got yeah. there. And so I won't even know if I if I made it look right at the end. So that that absolutely makes sense. I I said never been a journaling guy, but at least writing it down so you can recognize it when you see yeah. it. That, that how, makes sense. That's actually how my journaling journey started. Boy, you got to slow down to say that right. <laughs> my journaling journey started that doing that very same thing. Someone told me at some seminar, if you get an idea, write it down, right? Otherwise, just what you said, you're going to forget it. 
You're going to go, man, Saturday morning. I just thought about this last night, Friday night. What was that idea? And it's just gone. It's in the ether. Plus, they also said they were, they were some, you know, brain kind of expert. They knew the all the neurology. I, I'm going to mess this All that science up. stuff. Yeah, all that science stuff, yeah. right? Believe the science. Anyway, so they're saying <laughs> also your, your subconscious, <laughs> your subconscious is going to go, oh, wait a minute. When I come up with an idea, he's actually paying attention. He's just writing it down. But that's you taking an action against an idea that your brain got. So your brain says, okay, time to fire up the idea machine. And they start oiling it and they start cranking it a little faster. And you get another idea and another idea and you keep writing them down. And then your brain says, well, wait a minute, that idea plus this idea plus that idea over there equals oh, new idea. You know what I'm saying? So it starts really charging up your idea machine. And then it just it kind of blossomed into... Uh, what m blew up next was I was at a, um, a Brian Tracy seminar and he said, figure out what your top 10 goals are. Okay. And do doing that seminar, he says, write them down. He says, here's what I want you to do for the next two weeks. Get up in the morning. The first thing you do, open your journal, write down your top 10 goals. Is his thing. I don't want you to memorize them. I just want you to write down what you think your top 10 goals are at that time when you first wake up. And then... After those two weeks, you go back and you reread them. Here's what you're probably going to find has happened. Three of those goals are probably going to stay in the top five. They may not always be one, two, three, four, five. They may be fall down to six or seven, but they come back up again. And some of those goals that two weeks ago or, or halfway through, you're like, oh man, this is my number one goal. I want to lose weight. And then all of a sudden it starts it starts dropping off and it gets replaced with something else. But three of those goals at least are going to stay in there the whole time. Those are your one, two, and three goals. Stop jacking around with those. That's what your brain is telling you or what you believe in at your core that aligns with your values. All the other stuff is part of what's going on in your environment, what's happened with your family. You got in a fight. You, you got reprimanded by your boss. You got cut off by some guy you know, uh, on the freeway, those impact what you thought for that moment when you were writing it down and they have fallen off. So uh, that's really kind of how that all started. Those two things. I thought this is kind of cool. I just started writing all kinds of stuff down and uh, it was really powerful because even got to a point where I would start writing. I thought, you know what? I could draw this a lot faster. Right. And then you'd find, you go through my journal and there'll be like a picture there. And sometimes I'll go flipping through it and go, why not? Oh, and it'll all rush back just by looking at that little sketch, you know, and I, I'm no artist by no means, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the stick figure guy. That was, you're talking about it. Instead of writing on journals, I, I have stacks, like these are mm -hmm. all off. What you can't see on the other side of my camera is the giant whiteboard on my wall and I'll get an idea and I write it down. I just keep stacks of post-it notes, like the fresh pads laying yeah. around all of my desk, my normal desk, my work from home desk. And I get an idea and I write it down. I just slap it up on my whiteboard at home. And then, go. you know, I'll have days where I come into my office and I, I sit there and I just look at my whiteboard and I look at all the various ideas. And it's like, that was a good idea. I like that one. Let's move that over here to this column. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I slowly let them sit there over time. And then I read them again and go, what was I on that day? That, that was a... <laughs> 
something was not going well that day. World but the domination. fact that you wrote them down is is key, right? And that you're like, okay, I'm going to peek at these every once in a while. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same way I tell people to get a tattoo. I tell people to get uh, the tattoo, if they've never had a tattoo before, especially, mm-hmm. to draw, have someone draw up the idea for them and then stick it in your wallet. And in six months, carry it around with you every day. In six months, pull it out and look at it. And if you still like it, if you still think it's a good idea, put it back in your wallet, carry it around for another six months. And after a year, if you still want to put that on your body for the rest of your life, go ahead. Right. But, yeah, you those, know, it's, I, I write down an idea one. and then I look at it later and like, is that still a good idea? No, no. I don't know what was wrong with me that day. <laughs> I was now somewhere else. <laughs> there was a little much bourbon for me that day, apparently. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, people... You, you said that finding your why is, is so important. And, and I, I love the book, uh, mm-hmm. you know, find your why, but I've explored that idea on my own several times. People don't understand that a why has to be very deep mm-hmm. to carry you through major events, to carry you down hard paths. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what finding you, you found your oldest daughter and, and that, it's like there, there's not an option. This this is why. Right. I have to do this. There is right. no failure is not an option at this point. There are a lot of people who are struggling with where do I go from here? Where mm-hmm. do I go at this point? You know, they may have lost a long time job. I, I have a extended family who I, I won't call out by name, but just lost their job uh, with some of the rule changes that have been going on. Ah. Um that she's had for a long time, been very successful at. And they're, they're in this limbo. Cause it literally like happened a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, mm-hmm. um, right. This, this is a drastic impact, right? The loss of an income, the loss of a loved one, the loss of, uh, just even, even a slight variance in the income where you go from, well, I can still pay my bills, but, Everything else is off the table today. Yeah, right. Right. Most people do not have doing research on other shows. Right. Most people do not have even a month's worth of bills set back in a savings account. Mm-hmm. The recommendation is like three to six months minimal. Yeah. Most Americans can't honestly get through you know missing one paycheck without right. occurring major problems. And two weeks and they're right. Kind of, yeah much less a month or three months or six months. And, and this last couple of years has thrown that into a sharp view for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. That that's just not a thing. But when we're starting over, one of the things you emphasize I've seen on your website is not just trading your hours for money, right? right. So I don't want people to just start over because I think there are a lot of people who are starting right over right now mm-hmm. but if they've got to start over anyways you know how do you start smart with that idea of not trading hours for money it's something i'm trying to teach my children is to learn about different kinds of income my kids are little i'm starting right. them early because i didn't know till i was 40 that like i i know nothing about this right so i've been introducing right. him to uh the idea of like dividend incomes royalty income stuff like that right getting paid for ideas and stuff. Most people don't even know what that is. How do we start over into a better path when we're having to start over? 
I'm going to I'm going to answer that question, but I want to step back from the know your why thing. Okay. Um, because I think which is a great book. I, I read the book probably two or three times so over since it came out. But I think for me it was about the who. So and, and reason that I think that's so important because I see so many people going, I know my why. I got my why. Here it is. I got it written down with 17 exclamation points. I totally believe in this. Really? So your why, and I'm just, I'll throw an example out here, is because you want to be there for your family, right? And you think that you crunching away 80 hours to get that next promotion is being there for your family. You're contradicting yourself in the same by saying, this is my why. Uh, but if you step back and say, who is Tracy Brinkman? Who is Brent, right? And you write down who you are, those things that, you know what? This comes back to this masculine, that, that man thing we were talking about. This is my liver die. Number one is my liver die. Family. End of story. Right there. That was my why. And that 100% aligned with my who. Okay. So, but I had been ignoring my who during my, you know, in those days, right? I just, I had been throwing that to the wind and been selfish. But when I looked at my who, my why aligned with it, and that helped me bring it back up. And it was my family that I leaned on. There it is. All right. And what's next? So you start looking at who you are inside, not who you pretend to be, right? Not who the face you put on in front of your boss in front of your in-laws or anyone else, who you really are, 100%. Embrace your weirdness, let's say. Mm -hmm. Then, then double check your why. All right, let me go, let me look, let me go back to look at my why. Oh, ah, well, okay, that's not lining up. That is really going to help guide you where you're going to go. Now, Great, Tracy. That's all awesome advice. I appreciate your woo-woo-ness, <laughs> but how do I take that into an actionable step, right? So one of the things you can do is you could look around at those things that you're really good at. Here's a hint, though. Some of those things that you are really good at, you take for granted. Your friends know you're really good at it. Your family knows you're really good at it. Sometimes they might even poke and prod and tease you about it. I'll give you an example. If I go back to my Coca-Cola days, uh, because I'm a, a bit of a geek when it comes to computers, uh, I started building little databases with Access and Excel to do my job, to free me up to find places where I could make things better. And I just did it because I liked. I was sitting at home, laptop in my on my lap, doing the things there. This is going to take care of two hours of my day at work. So now I can go figure out how to make the part of my job that I hate easier, more fun, or figure out who really should be doing it. Right. Well, my director noticed that I was doing those kinds of things and said, "We need to create a job for you." so that you could go around the entire department. And this was the marketing department for Coca-Cola North America, mm -hmm. right? To find these blockades and fix them. I'm like, cool, let's do that. Only because I was doing what I wanted to do, what, what was right for me. I was just being me. I wasn't trying to be 
the awesome employee. I was just trying to make my job easier. And then when I had the time, right, I'd look around and say, oh, here's how I can make your job easier, right? So those little things at that same time, you know, people were telling me, you're really good at Excel. Could you teach us? And the things I would go in to teach them, they're like, whoa, whoa, stop. You just blew past something right there that we have no idea what it was because I was so close to it. It's like having a coin right up to your eye. It looks like a big problem when you put it out. I was so close to the tool, Excel in this case, that I thought everyone knew how to do this and how to do that and how to do fast function keys. And my fingers are flying all over the keyboard. They're going, stop. You know, so those are the things that you're taking for granted. So your your friend or your extended family member that just lost their role, there's something they were doing in that role that they're really good at. That there are people out there that would pay to learn how to do it. And they could she could teach them or he could teach them. I'm not sure what you know, they're male or female. So that's you know, it's that what is it that you know that you know people would go, oh. Here, take my money, please. I just like, handing you the card. Just here, take it right now. Uh, don't even, I don't, I'm not even asking you what the price is, right? And then what you could do that the, the next step you could do is say, hmm, I wonder if people would be interested in this. It, ask, put up a little post on on your Facebook or whatever social you happen to be pro more prominent on, and say, you know, if I did this. For example, uh, I, I put out a post saying, I'm thinking about coming up with a podcast guesting course, how to leverage your podcast guesting to make the most out of it. Because I had just done like 100 interviews. Uh, okay, I'm exaggerating. Maybe it was 80. <laughs> In about three months, I did this podcasting tour. It was like last year, mm -hmm. December, January, and February. I just said, okay, I'm going out there. Bing, 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 bing. I'm just going to nail them up because I wanted to, I was doing it for myself because I wanted to drive up my downloads, people would go listen to my show, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things you learn as a result of just powering in through something. It's like building a house, right? So I thought, well, God, I could take that learning and I could put it into a quick little course and you know, $49, whatever it was. The post, I said, here's what I did. Click this link and it'll add you to my email list. 27 folks within the first 24 hours, like, right, I, I'll pay for it right now. They were ready to go. I thought, well, gosh, I had no idea. And so you don't know what you don't know, right? So find that thing that you know people would love to learn. Maybe they're already coming to you and they're knocking on your door going, hey, Tracy, can you teach me about Excel? Can you teach me about this? Can you teach me how to you know, leverage a podcasting tour? I don't want to do podcasting, but I want to be on the podcast. How do I do that, right? There's a series of steps that go through that. Um, and then ask, just put the post out there and give it a shot. I'm willing to bet you'll be happily surprised. And then, well, then comes the real work. Now you've got to put the course together, right? <laughs> but there are plenty of folks out there willing to teach you, myself included. I, I imagine you know folks that will be willing to teach you to put a course together. And you're like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. You figure out a, a way to do uh, that, uh, the PLR book, right? You say, okay, I'm, this resonates with a message I want to send to my audience. You bring it in, you do your edits, big bang, boom, you send it out, right? I'm oversimplifying, but I mean, it, should, it really is sometimes just that easy. The work is another thing, right? You, you're going to have to invest some time. You're going to have to pony up. Uh, you, you don't get nothing for free. I'm sorry. And if you do get it for free, I want you to question the source. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I'm not sure it's over, oversimplified. I think a lot of times we overcomplicate it. Yeah. I know. I mean, when I went down the rabbit hole, it's like, okay, what can I do for a side hustle, right? I, I work a full-time job in the IT industry and, you know, what, what can I do for a side hustle? What can I do for a side hustle? And then I started thinking, you know, I, I, so of course I watched all the YouTube videos, like, like all the YouTube videos on, on side right. hustles, right? There's a bazillion mm-hmm. of them out there. Um, but then I also started thinking about, yeah, I want a side hustle, but at the same time, what do I actually care about? Right. Right. Because I, I didn't want just another job. I, I've got those. So I, I can, I, I was talking with my wife, who is the partner of my business, uh, about it earlier. It's like, you know, I, I can show you side hustles and make money all day if I want another job. You right. know, I, I don't want to do a vending machine business because that's, that's just more work. That's another that's, job. <laughs> yeah. That's just sucking up more of my time. I, yeah. I, I already got little enough of that it, it is. is. Um, I think it's very interesting. I, the, you change the why to who. I, mm-hmm. I think that's very valid. And I think a lot of people, right? A lot of people have heard of the book, even if they've never read the book. But a lot of people are at least familiar with the questions like, you know, find your why. Right. And it's been my personal experience that a lot of the valid whys that hold up over time are more about the valid who's that hold up in your life. There it is. Uh, by by far, you know. I Like I said, I have two daughters and my daughters and my wife are just the driving force for everything. I, I would not get up at 4 a.m. every day for anybody else. Right. My, my days start at 4 and usually go till 9 or 10. And I do it all again every single day, seven and, days a week. I would not do yep. that for any other person. So I think well, the and who so is important. So I would ask you, would you do that for yourself? No, I wouldn't actually. Okay. Right. And that's that's who you are. Yeah. See, I, I, I'm on the other side of the fence. It's like, man, if I wouldn't be willing to get up for myself, why am I getting up for them? And I'm not saying I'm putting myself over them. Mm-hmm. I'm just questioning, am I valuing my own self? You know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I'm with you. I get up at oh, dark 30. Uh, usually in the Monday through Friday, it's 3 a.m. Get my workout in, hang out with the wife for a bit, you know, do all that morning routine stuff. And then your day starts. Uh, I don't stay up till nine. I'm usually done between seven and eight um, and then rinse and repeat. Right. So it's, it's, just, yeah, it's just moving my clock one, an hour. Yeah, extra, right? We're just, we're just shifting an hour, but I get up and do the me things, mm-hmm. right. Get them out of the way. So now I'm totally, I got my meditations done. I got my journaling done. I got my workout in powered down. My good oatmeal was fruit. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm ready to uh, uh, take on the world. And now I'm totally free for the rest of the family. Um, my wife is a part of that that workout. She's the one that got me into the workouts, actually. And so, and it was just it was just that question: if I'm if I'm willing to do it for this person, whoever this person is, a girlfriend, a, a daughter, a son, why am I willing to do it for myself? And it's and it, again, it's no slight on you, but it just it begs the question: why? Yeah, shouldn't yeah. I shouldn't I be on the same level as them? Because I would hope they would do the same for me. Then that means we're here, not this or, or that. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, like I said earlier, I'll kill or die for my kids, my family. Bang, gun, it's over with, right? And mm-hmm. we're all step in front of that bullet. So in that point, it's like, yeah, like that. But when it comes to uh, the sacrifice, man, I got to be able to sacrifice for myself as much as I would sacrifice for them. Uh, see, that's, that's, a, that's who I am <laughs> on, on along my journey. Actually, that is something as I journey on to be the best version of myself, 
is one of the things I've actually had to really work for myself is to adjust and take in self-care. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting in that workout. Uh, and, and I love to work out, but I'm trying to build a business and produce three shows a week and, yeah. you know, work full-time job. Nine to five I'm, and, I'm studying yeah. for another certification. And then I have Gosh. like one day afternoon a week that is just, everything's blocked out. I do nothing, but that's my daughter's time. Mm-hmm. I have Same. just to make sure I get that time. I have one afternoon blocked out a week. You, you don't ask me to do anything. That's that's their time, period. Right. Uh, I've, I've turned down guest appearances over that one. But getting in that self-care is usually where I start to let things go. It's like, okay, well, I got to sacrifice to make some more time to do this. So, And it's something that I'm having to work on uh, sure. personally because yeah. I was raised in a very, as you said, family first Mm-hmm. Uh, world. And so my my wife actually used to hate it when she'd go out of town Bef- long before we had kids, right? Uh, we lived on the other side of the country from her family. And so she'd fly home for two weeks and, mm. you know, be there. We couldn't both go because we were, you know, newlyweds. We were both dirt per- poor. Sure. I think we had like $30,000 yeah. a year or something. Lived in a ghetto neighborhood. Been um, there. <laughs> and so I, I sent her home so she could see her family, but we couldn't afford to both go. We couldn't afford for me to stop working. And she hated it because she knew like the two weeks she was gone, top ramen, peanut butter, and hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> if she was home, I would cook six course meals because I love to cook. Right. But I like to cook for other people. My, yeah, my for dad me, was the same way. I'll, yeah. I'll eat peanut butter out of the jar. <laughs> Even a, even awesome. a 42, like I actually have a spoon that says Brent's peanut butter spoon. It's engraved. It was <laughs> a Christmas cool. present. Cause yeah, if it's just me, I'm like, that's a lot of work. I got coffee. I got peanut butter. I'm good. You know, <laughs> much to my weights dismay. Right. But yeah, it's, uh, I would do all that for them doing it for myself. That's, that's just never been a strong point. And it's something I think all men got to learn too. Yeah. Because it's really easy to be focused on other people. Right. I think one of the, one of the ways it was explained to me and it started to shine the light for me was you're doing things for other people. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll do anything for my family. Right. So imagine your ability to do is in this goblet, right? This imaginary goblet cup, Stein, whatever you drink from. Mm-hmm. All you have is what's in that cup and you start pouring. Here's a little bit for the wife. Here's a little bit for the daughter. Here's a little bit for this or this. And whatever's left is yours. And you're like, that's kind of empty. You've got to refill that puppy back up and you refill that puppy back up by that self-care. So by doing that self-care, you're actually enabling yourself to pour more on the mom and on the daughter and on the business and on this and on that. And you got to refill it up, right? So if you, if you do the self-care at a good pace, whatever the pace is consistently, you're, 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 you'll find your cup stays in this range. You're pouring up, it goes down, you reach self-care, it goes back up and actually will charge you more to do more self-care to the point where your cup is now overflowing and you'll find yourself doing more not less. Ah. Yep. No, I, I get it. I'm, I, uh, I'm better when I'm actually doing that stuff. <laughs> it's just the hours in the day. It's like, Hmm, 
Now, do I give up sleep yeah. or do I give up? <laughs> it's, it's sleep or gym time. Hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm and, I, and I know what happens when I give up too much sleep. <laughs> so Tracy, what is next for you? Um, actually, right now I'm in the middle of doing uh, a product called, uh, well, the test title right now is Embrace Your Will Weirdness, which I heard me say it earlier, uh, and, and Live Your Truths. Right. And it was going to be, I would say it was going to be two separate little um, uh, series of videos and coaching opportunities. And I decided they just, they, they felt so well together because when you do one, you can do the other. If you can embrace your weirdness, which is just simply, you know, knowing your why, right. And your why is probably going to be a little weird to other folks. You know, uh, why do you want to embrace your weirdness? Well, you can be more creative. It's, it comes back to refilling that cup. And then that really feeds right back into your ability to live your truth. You know, uh, you know, your, your, your weirdness is your who, living your truth becomes your why and your journey. So those two kind of fit right together. So I'm in the middle of uh, finishing those up so I can put those out to folks. I'm hoping within the next 60 days. So we're looking at uh, early March release. I'm, I'm looking for a spring to, uh, spring date here. Uh, what do they say? A uh, uh, goal written down becomes an idea or a plan. A plan with a date becomes a, you know, I don't know, a bad yeah. eloquence. <laughs> if you don't write it down, it don't get done. Yeah. Basically what he's saying. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> now, Tracy, where's the best place to find you? Is it your website or? You know, the best place to find me if you're just cruising around would be the website, darkhorseschooling.com. And uh, anyone's looking at the video right now can see all the socials are linked right up there at the upper right-hand corner. Um, you'll find me a lot on Facebook. However, as you heard earlier, I'm doing a lot of more uh, content that's going out to across all the platforms. So wherever platform you're on, you probably see me hanging out there. Tracy, thank you for taking the time to be on here today and share with us. Guys, as always, be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And we'll see you in the next one. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.